Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of 5 Minute Major Radio. Matt, I feel like it's been a lifetime since we recorded. It's been more than two weeks, but hope all is well, buddy, and good to be back on the pod. Yeah, it's going well. I mean, you didn't really miss much. Uh, Were you back from vacation uh, for the draft lottery the other night? No, I got back in town on Saturday. Oh, all right. So I was still down in... I was still down the OBX when when that madness went down. Well, you're you're caught up on all the the the, the newest news that we have and the the first new news that we've had in a while with hockey. So you're good to go. You didn't miss anything. Yeah, that's true. And he's still you're still active on board on Twitter when everything goes down. So I was still kind of reading about what was going on. Um, you know, we got we got a lot to talk about in regards to that tonight, Matt. But we do have a couple other things. I don't know if we just want to head right into it. Just we can kind of address the Flyers news just up front and quick, just to get it out of the way, just because it's kind of kind of minor for both things. Um, and I feel like we're going to talk a lot more about the draft lottery and the NHL return to play plan mm-hmm. um, after this quick Flyers news. So, what do you think? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Well, um, I don't know if you want to take it, man, or I can take it. Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> it's all it's all you. You can drive the bus for this one. All right, well, a couple quick notes and for organizational purposes, I guess, for everyone to know about. Um, a couple podcasts ago, Master and I, we talked, we discussed, including on a podcast with our good friend uh, Matt Hoagie Hoagland, um, that the Flyers prospect uh, Wyatt Kalnuk has decided to turn pro. Um, well, as per Charlie O'Connor going back to the 26th of June, um, the Flyers' exclusive negotiation nego- negotiation rights with uh, Kalanick expired on the 25th. So he is now a college UFA and is free to speak with any other NHL team. Um, but apparently the Flyers have been told they are still in consideration. Um, again, that was all per Charlie O'Connor of The Athletic, a fantastic follow uh, for all hockey fans out there, especially Flyers fans. Um, at the end of the day, all right, cool. You know, um, Kalanick wasn't really on my radar before, you know, this you know, before the news came out of his past senior season this year. And I think there are plenty of other Flyers prospects on the defensive end who are ahead of him in the pipeline. So if he signs with us, cool, great, awesome, a nice little feather in the cap. If not, all right. Any thoughts on Kalanick coming to college free agent, Matt? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know much about the kid as it is. Uh, not that he's not good or anything like that, but I haven't really heard much about him up until now. So he's not he's one. Obviously, of the pro- he's now obviously free to do what he wants. He's not one of the prospects who always had your mind on. He wasn't like you know a go- a Gossip Sparrow or a Wade Allison or a Tanner Wasinski or like okay if if we lose them after having a great years in college, it's going to be a problem. Um. And then some other more news, which I think every Flyers fan should have seen coming a mile away. Um, this is per Alex Appleyard, another member of the Athletic Philadelphia. I mean, we're giving the, the Athletic some free ads here tonight. Um, uh, per Alex, you know, Mikhail Vorobiev has officially left the NHL and the American Hockey League, and he is signed back over in the KHL with H.C. Slavot. Um, which I believe is the club that Broviev used to actually play for before, before coming over to North America. Um, at the end of the day, Vorobiev just as of right now, 
does not seem to have the juice to be an NHL player. Um, he was pretty decent in the minors with the Phantoms, was used in all situations, and really did seem to play, and that's where he kind of did stand out. But, man, every time he got called up to the big club with the Flyers, he would, you would see spurts of where he would do really good, and then he would just turn off, and he would be like, man, is this guy – I. I remember watching him at games and going, does he even care? Um, I remember a couple of years ago, even I think it was last year or the year prior, towards the end of training camp and preseason, Vorobiev was centering Claude Giroux, um, mm-hmm. and they really liked him there. And then they kept him on the team as a third, fourth-line center, just couldn't hang, goes back down to the Phantoms, does well, plays well, gets called back up, repeat cycle. So at the end of the day, I'm not really feeling too hurt over this loss for Mikhail Vorobiev. Um, who knows? Maybe he's just one of those players who just the NHL in North America isn't meant for, and he'll be a star back in Russia. Who knows? Who knows? Or vice versa could happen. The opposite could happen. In a couple of years, he's back in North America. So only time will tell. Yeah, and like we discussed earlier before we started recording over text, he, um, he was a guy who seemed to thrive more in the AHL, but like you said uh, just now, Never really turned it on for the NHL. Looking at his stats here for the Flyers, uh, this past, I guess this current season still, who knows, the 2019-2020 season, what we're in now, supposedly still, um, only three points in 20 games. And then last season, 2018-2019, two points in 15 games, so 35 games played, uh, only five points and a minus five, so nowhere really... Um, at the top of his potential for this. And seems like he wanted to go back to Russia, obviously, and hopefully he does well over there and doesn't come to any Flyers rivalry team or anything like that and come back <laughs> to bite us in the ass. But um, best of luck of him in the KHL, um, and we'll see where he goes, I guess. I'm not going to really – I don't pay attention to the KHL like a lot of people in the U.S. do. Mm, I won't say that. Um I don't personally pay attention to the KHL because I don't, I don't know, but yeah, good luck to him. I mean, sorry, it, it didn't it, work for the Flyers. It, the whole KHL versus NHL thing is something that's kind of hard to do because, you know, while the KHL is very popular in, in, all over Europe, not just in Russia, yeah. um, you know, they don't really have an avenue to broadcast their games in North America on because the NHL is trying to dominate over here. Well, um, yeah, I guess I would say I would say that it's not that I don't care about it, but it's not in my direct line of vision, if that makes sense. Where, like you exactly. just said, they don't have they don't have broadcasting rights for anything in the United States. All their games would be at like three a.m. our time, I think. I don't know what the exact it's, time difference is. It's either is, but... like in yeah, like three a.m. to like eleven o'clock in the morning. Because there's crazy time zones. Like, yeah. I th- think espn has the rights to the khl over in in north america because i know during the last lockout espn was playing khl games um that featured you know star nhl players on mm-hmm. and every once in a while if you're stumbling across if you're up late you know like at 3 a.m and you some across the sports channels you know sometimes you'll see a khl game on on espn or something like that one of those weird odd sports shows like oh like that's not very neat I guess yeah. I'll turn it on to fall asleep too, but I mean. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, I guess I would assume Russia has more than one time zone. 
they have like, a bunch. I think they have also like, like the KHL isn't just in Russia, like you said. So if it's in a different country, like there's a team in China, the Red Dragons. I'm pretty sure. So that's probably a different time zone than a lot of the other like teams. Kulin Red Star, I think. Yeah, but I mean, again, it's like here where it's like you'll watch a West Coast game. It's seven o'clock there, but it's ten o'clock here. So I understand, but again, there's no avenue of broadcast for the North America, like you said. So obviously, a lot of people aren't going to pay attention or even know what's going on if they don't make any sort of effort to, I guess, reach themselves out to the information that's available. Exactly. I follow their, they have an English version of their Twitter account, which I follow. And I follow that same version of YouTube because I'll post highlights there. And if I'm, you know, looking to watch something during my quick lunch break, I'll go on YouTube and I'll see what's there. So hockey highlights are hockey highlights. So I don't really discriminate when it comes to those. Yeah, except in the KHL also you see ads everywhere. Oh my, it's ridiculous. Over in Europe, the KHL is kind of even modest. It's some of the some of the teams that are in Sweden and Finland and Switzerland and Italy, and I'm like, oh my god, is that a jersey or is it one big billboard? And it's yeah. friggin' ugly. I hope it never happens in the NHL. I personally am against ads ever on an NHL jersey. I think it's sacrilege. That's a discussion for another day. I always get a kick out of seeing... Um... Mostly in the World Juniors, I guess, because that's really the only time, I guess, aside from the Olympics that I watch, I really watch international hockey. But uh, the Lint Chocolate Company on Mm -hmm. uh, Team Switzerland, I think. Yeah, Yeah. Swiss. But that's always funny to see that. It's like right on like the the front crown of their helmet on their forehead. So that's always funny seeing that. But I mean, that's got to be a juggernaut of a sponsor in their country. Oh, yeah. So to have that internationally broadcast to people, uh, it makes sense. I think the U.S. is sponsored by Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> then Canada is TELUS, which is like one of their big um, cell phone providers. So. Yep. I mean, international hockey, they do it all right. Like, it's very small, you know, helmet on the front of the helmet or like on a small little patch on the jersey. But, man, well, some here, of the so teams over the can, it... We can branch this out into something else, too. We can touch on for a couple of minutes, but... We'll have to think about, since they won't have crowds at any of these games, how they're going to sell, if they're going to sell ad space. I'm sure they will, but um, I was reading an article the other day, I think from NBC Sports Philly, that the Eagles and the rest of the NFL are going to tarp over parts of seats in like the stadiums and sell ad space. I'm so, not like, surprised at all by that, because it's all about the seeing, money. Yeah, instead of seeing the empty seats, you'll just see, like, a big tarped ad for Chipotle or, like, Nike or Under Armour, which I understand. But I also have seen, I think it's the Oakland A's and I want to say the San Francisco Giants in the MLB. I could be wrong on the second one, but I know the A's. I saw this earlier today. They're selling, um, they're letting fans buy cardboard cutouts that they can put in the baseball stadium as (laughs) quote-unquote fans. So, I mean, that'd be cool. I don't know if I would spend money on that for the Flyers, but maybe. So, but yeah, it's going to be, I mean, as much as it sucks that people aren't going to be there, like companies are going to jump all over this opportunity to have their ad like in an empty stadium. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, cause this is all about replacing lost revenue at this point. So anyway, the NHL and any other sports franchise, any sports league can do to bring in, some of that lost revenue, they're going to go about and doing it. Yeah. So that makes, I mean, it makes sense though, but Hey, at least hopefully we'll have some hockey to watch. I won't be paying attention to the ads, but I'm sure they'll subliminally come up somewhere. 
Oh, somehow, some way. Yeah, but. now that we're talking about this, our Facebook and Instagram feed is going to be taken up by what they're listening to us say. Oh, I know. Like, I was going to log into my Facebook, and the second we're done recording, and there's going to be a big-ass ad for Chipotle right there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, like, I worked there for two two years anyway. Yeah. Oh, boy. But All right, that's enough of a tangent here. What's our next yes. topic? Uh, do we want to get into the draft lottery craziness, this spicy meatball? Yeah, we might as well. That's our main main topic of concern tonight. Yes, it is. Um, uh, Matt, I don't know if you want to lead this one off or if you want me to go ahead and take it. Uh, I can take this one. Let me just pull up my article here. Go back to the NHL. Well, I'll start it off by saying this. For any hockey fan that lives under a rock, you... or i guess unless you're a hockey fan that lives under a rock you know what's going on with the draft lottery but the draft lottery was this past friday the 26th um and the number one pick is tbd and belongs to one of the 12 teams i believe that will not make it past the stanley cup qualifier round is it 12 or 8 I'm looking that up right now. Yes. Oh, it is eight. All right. And apparently the number one placeholder team, a.k.a. known as Team E, had a 2.5% chance of being assigned the number one overall pick. The 12th best odds of all 15. Yeah. And then uh, a quick rundown here of the top eight picks from number one down to eight. We have, again, the placeholder team yet to be determined out of the qualifier round at number one overall number two we have the la kings number three overall we have the ottawa senators first pick uh from the san jose sharks in a trade i guess with ottawa obviously but i don't know that was the that was the pick that the sharks or that ottawa got in the san in the uh, eric carlson trade gotcha all right so that makes sense. Uh, number four, surprisingly, goes to the Detroit Red Wings, who had the uh, the highest overall odds to get the number one overall pick, and then dropped to four. Uh, awful season by the Red Wings. Obviously did not make it to the 2014 play-in, but it's got to suck when you're that bad and you don't even really get rewarded, for the at least with a number one overall pick. Obviously, any mm-hmm. top ten pick, hopefully you hope pans out to be a, a key piece in the franchise, but you just never know. Um, at number five, again, we have Ottawa with their second pick. Um, number six, we have the Anaheim Ducks. Number seven, we have the New Jersey Devils. And number eight, we have the Buffalo Sabres. So the top eight picks, with the exception of the placeholder team, are solidified. And once, hopefully, there is hockey played and teams have been eliminated from the play-in round, uh, there will be another uh, phase of the draft lottery to determine that uh, first overall pick. So yeah, what a whirlwind of a half hour that was. Um, I didn't watch it live, but I was kind of scrolling through Twitter when it was going on, and I could just see the outrage start to come through through people. Um, a lot of hockey fans are convinced that this has been rigged, either for multiple reasons. Um, reason A being the fact that Alexis Lafreniere, um, a good old French Canadian um, kid is supposed set to go first overall. The draft was supposed to take place in Montreal this season, and of course, if Montreal loses to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the qualifying round of the playoffs, 
they would then be eligible to receive first overall pick. So option A, some fans in hockey conspiracy think that the, it's been chosen that Montreal is going to lose to the Penguins and thus get the first overall pick somehow. Option B, I heard, is that it's rigged for the Pittsburgh Penguins to get the Stanley, to get not the Stanley Cup, Jesus, uh, but get this first overall pick and pick Lafreniere because, you know, God forbid, Pittsburgh fans are so flaky. You know, remember they almost moved to Kansas City after Yager and uh, Mario left town, and oh no, Crosby and Malkin are on that back nine of their career. What's going to happen? And a lot of people are thinking that you know he could end up there. And those are the top two conspiracy theories that I've heard. Um, I think they're both kind of a little ridiculous, but you, you never know. Insanity could happen. Um, if my big thing out of all this is is if I'm the Detroit Red Wings, I am absolutely furious. You, they had the worst year ever in the NHL, and I mean they they tanked just because they suck. They didn't try to tank. This wasn't intentional tanking. The Detroit Red Wings were just a terrible hockey team this year. They were god-awful. And um, to not only not get number one overall, to have a quote-unquote playoff team get that pick, and then not only do you not get two or three, you fall down to pick number four. Mm -hmm. Salt in the wound. I would hate to be Steve Eiserman right now. Well, it's funny. There's a quote right here that I'm looking at that I'll read um, from Eiserman uh, after the draft. He was quoted saying, to be honest with you, not surprised. Uh, we had an 18.5% <laughs> chance of winning the first pick. So realistically, I'm prepared to be sitting here today not talking about the first pick. I'm not really surprised. The bottom eight or the eight playoff teams had a 24.5% chance combined of getting the pick. So the odds were better that the first pick went to the bottom eight than it did to us. So... Um, I mean, it any general like manager is going to be off. like, yeah, I mean, he's definitely pissed and I'm sure Red Wings fans are too. Um, he definitely kind of let his, spoke his mind obviously in that quote, but yeah, it's gotta, I mean, that's, this has probably been the Red Wings worst season ever. And this he has, has probably been, be. this has probably been one of the worst seasons for any team ever. I'll say that lightly because I don't know the stats or the records, but I think it has to be in the I mean, salary cap era. This has to be the worst regular season ever. Yeah, I think they went um, before the pause, or at least the last time I checked when the Flyers were playing in Detroit and they won. don't remember when that was. was before the pause, obviously, but the Red Wings had yet to beat any team in the Metro division, which is understandable because they're the worst team in the league, and they're all like the Metro is statistically and I think skill-wise the best division in the league. You want to know Detroit's record real quick? Go for it. 17 wins, 49 losses, and five overtime losses. Jeez. They did a minus a negative, a negative 122 goal differential. They were 12-23-2 on home ice and 5-26-3 away from home. In their Jeez. last 10... Before the pause happened, they were three, six, and one. The Not next good. worst team was the Ottawa Senators, and they almost had ten more wins. Ottawa was twenty-five, thirty-four, and twelve. 
with a .437 winning percentage, whereas Detroit's was only a two point point two seven five. Like, I couldn't imagine being, you know, I was pretty mad back in the day when the Flyers were awful and they were the worst team in the league and the Flyers had to pick second overall and got JVR instead of Patrick Kane, which would the Blackhawks and we all know what happened there. I was pretty mad back then. I could not imagine being a Detroit Red Wing fan or member of staff right now. Those numbers right there should have been, you know what, this pick should have gone to Detroit, null and void. Everyone knows they're getting it, and everyone should be happy they're getting it. <laughs> but, man, that's, that, that is a tough, tough, tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I, mm, I feel for them, but also I don't. But eh, Oh, yeah, like, you know what, you know, maybe you should have been worse, and guy had better odds. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then so from there... Um, here's a couple pointers on how the draft will proceed, at least for the the, uh, the designation of the order. Uh, picks four through eight were determined based on inverse order of regular season points ooh, points percentage. Uh, picks nine through 15 will be assigned to the other teams that lose the eight qualifier series, also in inverse order of points percentage. And then picks 16 through 31 will be determined by the results of the playoffs. So, yep. uh, again, only the top, I guess you could say that only seven of the top eight picks are solidified, like I said before, because we don't know who's going to have the first overall pick until we actually have some hockey played. So, and we don't even know if that's going to happen either, because um, we'll go into this now. I guess we could take an ad break if you want, but we'll go into our uh, NHL return to play update about what's going on with how the league is trying to come back. Yeah, real quick before that, just so you know, listeners know, uh, the list of teams who are now the 16 teams that are in contention to get the first overall pick, depending on who who advances and who loses in the qualifying round to get into the playoffs, are the Arizona Coyotes, Calgary Flames, Carolina Hurricanes, Chicago Blackhawks, Columbus Blue Jackets, Edmonton Oilers, Florida Panthers, Minnesota Wild, Montreal Canadiens, the New York Islanders, New York Rangers, National Predators, Pittsburgh Penguins, Toronto Maple Leafs, Vancouver Canucks, and Winnipeg Jets. Some hmm. some of those teams would be deserving of a player of Alexis Lafreniere, and some definitely are not. Mm-hmm. Some could be a fun scenario. Some would be very bad. But it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Matt, do you have any thought if on any... If any of those... Let's say, besides Pittsburgh, uh-huh. out of all those teams named there, what team getting the first overall pick would piss you off the most? Uh, it's tough to say, really. I mean... Or what team would be like a spicy meatball and be like, oh, that's interesting? I feel like one of the, the spicy meatball teams would be the Predators. I feel like they haven't gotten... When's the last time they had a first overall pick? Was that Shea Weber? And Weber wasn't even first overall. I think he was like a later draft, later draft round pick. Let me see if I can Google it quick. I, I think feel like they, the Predators, maybe even the Hurricanes. Um, you know who my my spicy pick would be? Who? Toronto. I was gonna. I was about to say that too. Can you imagine a top line? I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs top line already should be Austin Matthews centering Mitch Marner and William Nylander. But can you imagine 
if you drop William Nylander down to line two and in slot one becomes Alexis Lafreniere with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, I mean, they already have enough top-level talent. But could you imagine adding another generational talent to that lineup? Actually, so this looks like This looks like Nashville has never had a first overall pick. I think they picked second overall the 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 when they were going when they were an expansion team and that's when they picked David Legwand, I think. Yeah, you're right. Yep, that was their so their first their first I guess ever that was their first ever draft pick was yep, was number 2 overall David Legwand. Other than that, their highest picks have been they've been in the top 10 a lot of times, but yeah, Scott Hartnell was a sixth overall pick for them in 2000, round one. Um, was it Upshaw? Wasn't it Upshaw a high pick for them, too, I think? Upshaw was sixth overall. Ryan Suter was seventh overall. Shea Weber was 49th overall, the second round pick. It's a diamond um, in the rough right there. Let's see. Pecorine was an eighth round pick, 258th overall. Um, who else? Where am I, who else am I looking for? What about Roman, Roman Yost, Yost, Here we go. Yeah. Uh, 2008, second-round draft pick, 38th overall. Uh, that's pretty much, I think, Yossi. Well, I guess they here, Seth Jones, fourth overall in 2013, and then he got traded to the Blue Jackets. For Johansson. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I think Seth Jones was really their their last, like, guy that they, I'm looking at their all their draft picks now, and, like, only a handful of these names stand out to me. I mean, there are like some depth guys that they have, like um, who are like Victor Arvidsson, Fiala. Uh, Fiala's on Minnesota now, though, right? Yeah, Fiala's on Minnesota, and he's Colton Sissons, to... Pontus Auberg, Aberg, however, however that said. But yeah, I mean, their highest pick was their first ever pick in David Legwand, and that was a second overall. So maybe they'll finally get their number one overall. Who knows? You never know. It could be interesting. Yeah, I think. Um, so, I don't want Pittsburgh to get it. Chicago, I don't know. Chicago is also kind of the same way for me because, yeah, like, I know, like, obviously, like, Taze, Kane, Keith, Seabrook, like, their core that they've had the past 10-plus years, is also they're also on the back nine of their career. And, I mean, again, see, as a fan... I don't want those teams to have any other dynasty anytime soon because I think the Flyers are hopefully on the rise to have some sort of dynasty. Cross my fingers. That's Who knows if that's going to happen. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say it's rigged, but it probably is to some degree, and I just, like, am too not willing to see that it is. But I, I just – I mean, I guess the two teams that I wouldn't want getting it, not that I – I mean – I would think it was the end of the world if Pittsburgh got it because then I'd be kind of I'd be pretty pissed off. But if Chicago got it, I'd be like, meh, whatever. Like, but who knows? Yeah, I think Toronto, Nashville, Carolina's in there, right? Too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say anyone besides Chicago and Pittsburgh, I'd be okay with. I mean, a team Maybe that I'd be kind Carolina of... too because that's in the, they're in the division metro, rival. So yeah. Any of the New York, any of the New York teams don't want him going there. Yeah. Um, the Edmonton Oilers would piss me off if they got it somehow. 
They had first overall pick after first overall pick after first overall pick after first overall pick to try and rebuild that franchise. Yeah, but they still aren't even that good. <laughs> like, Yeah, but you know what? You had so many chances where you literally had the first overall pick almost four years in a row. Yeah. And out of all those players, you kept one in Connor McDavid. <laughs> so, well, I mean, they, they got, I guess, oh, they, and, yeah, and they and got Nugent lucky Hopkins with around, But he's not really a first overall pick. He's like a second, third line center, really, ceiling-wise. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, again, I don't hear. Yeah, there are three criteria here for uh, for me not being angry would be no one in the Metro. Number two would be especially not Pittsburgh. And especially, number three would not be Pittsburgh. <laughs> ideally, and I wouldn't be mad. I'm going to be too mad. Not Chicago. So I can, everyone I can else can have it. I, I, I can get behind you with that one. Yeah. And I, I do apologize if there's background noise, man. I don't know if you can hear it, but Jack is currently gnawing on an antler right now in the background. Oh, I can't I can't hear it. All right, that's good. See, he's chewing away. Got to keep I the just, dog. Oh, I just heard it a little bit, but yeah, it's all good. All right, it is what it is. You know, I'd rather have him doing that than barking. So yeah, there you go. All right, and with that, shall we take an ad break and then quickly return? Let's do it. All right, we will be back in just two seconds here on Five Minute Major Radio. We are back, gang. Um, and now that we've discussed, you know, a couple flyers, placeholder news is the spicy take of the uh, of the draft lottery. Um now there's been some news updates, Matt, on the NHL's return to play action, which is slated as of right now to still be training camps restarting on July 10th, which is 10 days away as of right now, um, with tomorrow being the 1st of July. Um, so, Matt, take it away if you've got everything loaded up. Looks like I correctly, hopefully, assume that you do. Yes, sir. So um, yesterday, the 29th, uh, the NHL released their statement on phase two, at least for testing. Um, The statement says, as of Monday, June 29th, the NHL has had in excess of 250 players report to club training slash practice facilities for optional participation in phase two activities. Um, There have been in excess of 1,450 COVID-19 tests administered to this group of players, and those who have tested uh, resulted in a total of 15 players, 1-5, uh, returning confirmed positive test results for COVID-19. Um, I'm going to read the whole statement here because it will give everyone the information they need. <laughs> um, in addition, since June 8th, the opening of Phase 2, the league is aware of 11 additional players who have tested positive outside of the Phase 2 protocol. Uh, all players who have tested positive have been self-isolated and are following CDC and Health Canada protocols. Uh, the league will continue to provide regular updates on the number of tests administered to players and the results of those tests. Um, what do you take from that right off the bat? Um, you know, it, it's it depends on where the team imp- where the players who tested positive are from, because there are some parts of the U.S. and some parts of Canada that have barely any cases. And there's some parts of both countries where things have been on the rise ever since local governments reopened that area. Um, so at the end of the day, I expected something like this, um, considering the fact that all the athletes are not in a, they're not in the bubble locations just yet, and the, there's no 
control over where the player goes and visits in the time being from when they're at the practice facility. Um, at the end of the day, I expected it. And I'm not, I really don't, I'm not concerned about it affecting the league's return to play action at all. Because at the end of the day, the reason why we're still going to see hockey play this summer is because the NHL is saying we need to make money back. Yeah. Um, the NHL really is not going, to, and this isn't just the NHL. This is all the pro sports leagues that are on track to return this season. They're not really caring about their players' health. They're caring about how they can make up lost revenue. And at the end of the day, there's probably a good chunk of players, too, who feel that same way, saying, I've got sponsorships that I'm not making any money off of right now, and if I can get back playing, I get that extra check in the mail, which is good for me and my family. Um, Now, obviously, it does suck for those players who did get it. You know, hopefully, you know, well wishes, get better ASAP. Like, you know, I heard COVID's a bitch to get. I've had a couple friends who have gotten it. From what they told me, no bueno, does not sound like a good time at all. Um, but I've I've seen a whole lot of a big movement picking up online from people who are saying that NHL should just cancel the season already and stop playing. At the end of the day, they aren't. They've lost billions of dollars right now. They are a major industry and a major source in the economy in both the U.S. and Canada. And part of the problem with what's going on with COVID right now is this virus has been politicized in both countries. And now it's getting way, it's way more than just a virus. It's a pandemic. It's way more than that. Now it's, you know, a political issue. And when politics get involved, everything gets flubbed up to the extreme. So, um, Hopefully the amount of players, you know, hopefully when they release a next line of testing, it's not this many people because if it does go up, they might have to do something, but I'm not holding my breath that they will just because of how much money the leagues have lost. Is it probably the right thing to do morally to say, Hey, listen, we're shutting it down. We can't have our players get sick. Yes. Morally, that is the right thing to do. Um, but if you're thinking of it from a political standpoint and an, and an economical standpoint, the leagues cannot afford to lose any more money. Very well said. Um, I think bottom line is that, te- like, like any other league is doing and hopes to do, is that testing is going to be key. And then I think um, the early stages, I feel like are going to be more important than once they get everyone to their hub cities. Because what I think is that since the players are still in small groups for the time being, it's more important what they do outside of the of their like professions, where if they're going to like stores or going places in public, and it's just when they're I guess if they're around the general public instead of just teammates or other players in the league that are continually being tested, I think that's going to be what's going to hurt them. Is that once they're and I'm hoping once they're in like the whatever hub city, and that's another thing, another spicy meatball that we have to drop uh, in a few mm-hmm. minutes. But um, I think, again, I think continuous testing, like they said they're going to do, is key. And then also, the more that they have players and team staff in a bubble, the safer it's going to be for everyone because the more that the players are interacting with the general public or people that haven't been inside their quote-unquote bubble 
from now until whenever this all happens is going to make it more dangerous for a possible spread. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm glad I'm not dealing with this because it seems really stressful. Like I can't imagine what players are going through players, families. Like, I mean, anyone involved with this, I'm sure is nervous to some degree because like anyone else, you don't want it. You don't want to be the reason someone else gets sick and everyone has different, I guess, reactions if they get this virus, depending on their immune system, any underlying health conditions. Mm-hmm. I'm no doctor, but I'm just, like, explaining what I've heard. But I think the early stages are going to determine how well the latter stages and the actual playing goes. Yeah, and it'd be interesting. I kind of want to know, you know, what teams had players test positive. Now, we already know that the Tampa Bay Lightning shut down their facilities because they had a couple of players and staff members test positive for it. Yep. I can tell you right now, when I was down the Outer Banks on vacation, it was 50-50 down there. Some people and some businesses acted like the virus was completely gone, and there were others that were still saying, hey, listen, we're open, but we're, we're, we are taking a certain number of people in the store at a time. Everyone must have masks on, and they were enforcing it. It was literally a 50-50 split down the middle. Yeah. Now, I'm walking around Harris Teeter down there, um, which is a supermarket chain down south, for those who don't know. And literally, staff included, I want to say it was a 50-50 in that supermarket of people wearing masks and social distancing, and those aren't. And to me, that was astounding. But then you'd go to like a mom-and-pop like fudge shop, and they're saying, mask required, don't have it, you're not allowed in. And then you'd go to like, I don't know, the gap. And it's like, oh, come on in. Try whatever you want, you know. And um, you know, North Carolina is one of the quote hot spot states right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of those numbers from players who tested positive were members of the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, the thing too, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get like preachy here about the whole thing, but I think what's happening now is that people have become a lot more and I'm not saying everyone I'm saying there's a I guess a majority not a major, not even a majority there's a group of people throughout each and every state county it all comes down to like even municipality that <laughs> feel that for some reason a their rights are being infringed upon because they're told to wear a mask because they only care about themselves more than other people where there's become a lot more individualism in this situation than there has been for playing for each other so to speak where Mm -hmm. people don't want to sacrifice any part of their quote-unquote normal life or normal not wearing a mask because they want to get back to their new normal but they don't realize that the, the pandemic is still going on and again it's become so individualized now that like i mean states like florida um i think there's 23 states that have had like surges in like in cases because they either reopen too early or like people aren't following the rules. So, I mean, it's become such a, I guess for lack of a better term, such a shit show now yeah. where that kind of leads us into our, our next point here where just earlier today, after a few days of hearing potentially the NHL and the NHL PA are going to announce the hub cities for where all this hockey is supposedly going to happen. A lot of those cities are, the ones experiencing spikes in cases, namely Las Vegas, because 
I'm pretty sure Las Vegas is like fully open again. Like I know casinos are open, so that means people are probably in in and out of hotels, uh, coming in from other states. Where like, it's crazy how like, I mean, this whole thing, even if players and staff stay healthy, just because of how states, state governments, and the federal government have handled this from the start, this whole thing could never happen because, at least in the United States because of how the government has handled it but then also i don't know what canada's situation but it seems like they've been doing better at controlling the outbreak and quelling yes. flattening the curve and from what i've been reading after they announced las vegas not being a hub city i think it's going to be toronto and edmonton at this point because or even vancouver oh yeah well i think i think it almost has to be like the cities almost have to be in Canada at this point because oh, I was just about that. I was about to so bring up many, that point, Matt. So many states, and again, the federal government itself have completely messed up the control and the the flattening. That like we didn't really flatten that. We've we've. I don't even think we flattened the curve at all. I don't even know honestly. I think again, like it's become a state by state issue rather than a like it's obviously still a countrywide and a global issue, but like in a magnifying glass. It's like, all right, like, what did Pennsylvania do that Florida is doing different? Obviously, Florida is a, a dumpster fire right now. They have, like, thousands of new cases every day, and they're setting a new record every day. Like, Texas is the same way, I think. Like, those are the two and worst California. states, I think. Yeah, like, they just, Arizona as well. Like, I know, yeah. I think in, like, March or April or even, like, early May, there was talks that, like like, Arizona, Florida... They both, both their governments were like, yeah, come play sports down here. And then it's like, I don't know. Like our states are like, yeah, like, so I think, I don't even know. I think was, was Vegas the last United States city that was in the running for hub cities? No, Chicago. Uh, I don't know how Illinois is doing, but. I haven't heard. But again, I think like, and again, I think. I'm hoping that again for us in Pennsylvania here that since we waited longer for to reopen than other states we won't see as big a spike. I think there's going to be spikes either way. Oh, but, I think there will be. I mean the, the I amount think, the amount not to cut you off there man, but like the amount no, of people fine. from Pennsylvania who have traveled to out of state right now is crazy. Like when I was down the Outer Banks, I saw more New Jersey and Pennsylvania license plates, and I did North Carolina license plates. Yeah. So. Well, well that's the biggest thing is that, I, I don't know. I mean, again, it's such a multifaceted issue, and, like, it it doesn't, obviously we want hockey back, but I think the fact that America can't get its shit together is going to is gonna basically force the league to play all the games in Canada and then hope that, people the players traveling from the u.s europe or wherever don't start another spread in those hub cities that they're staying at somehow so it's like it's just crazy how unpredictable all this is and again testing is going to be the key and from what the nhl laid out in phase one where they laid the brickwork for all this thing it sounds like they're going to be constantly testing which is a good thing but again uh, bottom line is that once they get everyone together if they even get there, the more they keep them in a bubble, then the I think the less of I'm hoping that there's a like a l- less chance of an outbreak. Yeah, 
Because, like, what are they going to do if, like, the entire, like, if two teams play each other and then, like, both teams have, like, ten guys that get coronavirus? Like, I don't know how they're going to handle that. Like, They'd have to shut know, it down at that point. I know, like, each team can carry, like, the black, like, black aces, like, as, like, roster pieces. But, like, yeah. What are you going to do if half a team gets sick? You can't even dress 18 guys because, like, ten of them have the virus. Like, uh, again, it's, it's so un- unpredictable. But I think the... The early stages and how they handle everything and how the players individually handle themselves, and even depending on where they live, like we we don't know that like the the play. I don't want to say this that that this did happen, but who knows how it happened? But it's like the players that were in Tampa, like based off of Florida being open for what already over a month now, like we don't know if they've gone to, like bars and stuff and like I don't, like who knows what they've been doing in their personal lives that could affect them getting the virus. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy situation, you know. I think for all the reasons that we've just listed above, Matt, is why we've seen this huge groundswell of a movement on Twitter and online, social media in general, of fans and certain members of the media saying to for the NHL and sports leagues to shut this shit down. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I mentioned earlier, it's unfortunately the virus, this pandemic, has become part of the economy and it's become political, and these these sports leagues can no longer afford to you know, lose this much money. And so at the, until like a whole bunch of people, like a whole, it's going to take more than just 11 people getting it, like 11 players. It's going to have to be a whole entire team and staff or maybe multiple teams and their staff for something yeah. to get changed. And I mean, me, like me personally, I'm sure you personally and every, I mean, everyone involved would hate to see everything quote unquote come together they start playing games, everything looks good, and then it takes a turn for the worst, where, like you said, like, half a team gets the virus, and then it's like they have to shut it all down. But, I mean, that might very well be what they have to do, because, like, at the end of the day, these guys are still human beings. Most of them have families, and, like, all of them have families, maybe not not kids or a wife or anything like that, but obviously parents, grandparents. So, like, and then, like... It's just, I don't know, it's a hell of an undertaking for them to do this, but everyone is just hoping that it comes, they come out rather unscathed, where Mm -hmm. I think, again, I think we're going to see more of a spike than just 11 players, but I don't know, who knows? And, like, July 10th is 10 days away now, less than 10 days, because tomorrow, like, it's already 8 o'clock on June 30th, so we'll be July 1st in the next six hours or whatever. I'm not good at math. Anyway, <laughs> like you have what, I don't know, 25, 30 people on the, in and out of the ice at some point with a training camp, like, and then they're going home. Like, I don't know who knows how all this is going to happen, but uh, it's just crazy. It It, it is crazy. And uh, one of the things that I want to stress out to people is that I've and, you know, this virus isn't fake. It's it's legitimate. Like it is a legitimate thing. Um, so it's it's time for people to shut up with your stupid ass conspiracy theories and listen to scientists. Stop listening to your dumbass government and listen to the scientists and doctors, the people who went to school and have years of education into this regard. Don't listen to, you know some dumb Cheeto in the White House who doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about at the day about this. Um, but, you know, only time only time is going to tell what happens with 
not just the NHL, but all sports leagues. And, you know, I'm putting, I, I would be, if, if you were to ask me to put a $10 bet down at sports return this summer, I would put down my 10 bucks just because of what's going on in the world right now with how this virus has gone and turned political. So it is a crazy, crazy situation. And like, like you mentioned, we're 10 days away from training camp being open for NHL teams. So only time will tell. Oh, we actually forgot like a big thing that happened in hockey too. Um, we'll get into that now, I guess. So we go around the league. <laughs> That ends I completely our blanked on this. Of five radio. <laughs> they announced the 2020 Hockey Hall of Fame class on the 24th. Well, you know, that fits. You know, we 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 addressed the return to play update, and we covered Flyers news, and we covered the draft lottery. And I guess the last thing for us to do is quote around the league, and this does fit in the around the league news segment. So, all right, let me get this article up because I completely <laughs> forgot about it. But here we go. Um, the main point of tonight's Around the League segment, we have the announcement of the 2020 Hockey Hall of Fame class, which was this past uh, this past Wednesday? Last Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, June 24th. Uh, the 2020 class includes Jerome Aginla, Marion Hosa, Kevin Lowe, Doug Wilson, Kim St. Pierre, and Ken Holland. Um First of all, we have Jerome Aginla, obviously um, a member, a longtime member of the Flames, also played with the Boston Bruins for a short amount of time, and I think that was it, right? Uh, Colorado Avalanche oh, yeah, and LA Kings. True. All right. I'm dropping the ball on this one because I for completely forgot about it. Um, anyway, um, he, he's most known for being a Flame, I think. Um, he yes. He spent uh, 1,219 of his... 1,554 NHL games as a member of the Flames. Um, he broke into the league at, in 1996, went on to score 625 goals, recording 1,300 career points. Uh, he won two Rocket Richard trophies, the King Clancy Award, the Art Ross Trophy, and the Ten, Ted Lindsay Award. Uh, the winger was also a six-time All-Star. Uh, he managed two 50-goal seasons and passed the 40-goal mark on four occasions. Um, he also distinguished himself before reaching the NHL, winning two Memorial Cups with the WHL's Kamloops Blazers. Um, more from his resume, on the international scene, he represented Canada at various levels, winning two World Junior Championships, one World Championship, one World Cup of Hockey Championship, and two Olympic gold medals. Uh, again, it was also famous for setting up Sidney Crosby's quote-unquote golden goal. In we don't talk about that here. During, during the 2010 Winter Olympics. Um, anything to say about Aginla before I move on to Marion oh. Hosa's resume? Rightfully deserving. Um, surprise that he's first ballot, considering he didn't win any championships. Uh, but deserving nonetheless. You know, really happy for Joe Aginla. He was a player who I always considered a favorite like, uh, like everyone has like players they like to watch that's not on your main team mm-hmm. Aginla in his prime was a player who i always liked watching and back in 2004 when the lightning were facing off against the calgary flames in the stanley cup final after they eliminated the flyers i really 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 wanted the flames to win um of course they didn't um, but again, it was just, he was, when you think of a premier scoring power forward, he's in that list of names. 
and he's in the Hall of Fame, rightfully so. Well said, well said. Uh, moving on, uh, Marion Hosa, um, who I feel like just left, I guess, quote-unquote left, uh, because he came out that he was, I guess, allergic to equipment in some degree, had a rare skin disease, something like Quotations that. Quotations around yeah. all of that. <laughs> anyway. Um, Forced Hosa, to retire. <laughs> yeah. Hosa won three Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks. Um, also, before I go on, this is all from NBCSports.com. Uh, Hosa won three Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks and was a playoff fixture, becoming the first NHL player to reach three consecutive Stanley Cup final series with three different teams. Uh, you might also consider his playoff production with 149 points in 205 playoff games, um, also with regular season accolades, 521, oh, 525 goals, and 1,134 points in 1,309 contests. Uh Internationally, he represented Slovakia at the World Championships eight times, Olympic Games four times, and played in two World Cup of Hockey tournaments, once for his home country and the other for Team Europe in 20... Was that 2016? The last World Cup of Hockey? I I think it was. I think it was four years ago. Yeah. Um... In addition to his Stanley Cup victories, Hosa also won a Memorial Cup. Uh, one knock against Hosa was a lack of individual awards, uh, but success followed the two-way star. Um, so, yeah, Marion Hosa, um, was it 2008, won the Cup of the Red Wings? No. Uh, no? So he he lost in 08 with the Penguins to the Red Wings. Oh, yeah. And then, then lost. he lost. Then he lost the Penguins. That's right. You know, nine when he was on the Red Wings. And then in 2010, he was on the Blackhawks. And I, think I don't want to talk about we, it. We, we can stop there. Um, but good for Hosa. Um, yet again, another player who I would say, um, except for when he was a Pittsburgh Penguin, he was a player I loved watching. Um, he was an excellent two-way forward. I mean, 1,134 points in 1,309 games. That's that's Hall of Fame level. Um, you're almost at a point per game at that place at that at that pace. And and the dude did win three cups. I mean, it took him a couple of years to get to the right team to win those cups, um, but he did it. And he was just a player who was dominant at right times um, and scored big goals at big moments. And I think um, people often forget that he did play for the. Ottawa Senators and Atlanta Thrashers before becoming a Pittsburgh Penguin, then Detroit Red Wing, and then finally Chicago Blackhawk. I think he will be remembered as being a Chicago Blackhawk. Um, and then they, you know, first first ballot Hall of Famer. I think Hoke is one of those players where if he never won any championships, it might have taken him a couple years to get inducted. But yeah. hey, he won't end up with three rings, and now he's in the Hall of Fame. So good for Hosa. There you go. Uh, next up, we have Kim St. Pierre, um, a I believe she's Canadian. Yeah, Canadian yes. goaltending for the women's the Canada's women's team. Um, from her, you'll find a lot of gold medals in her trophy case, according to the website. Uh, she has three from the Olympics, five from the World Championships, and one from the Four Nations Cup. Uh, she played eighty-three times for Canada, helping them win sixty-four times with twenty-nine shutouts. Um, she earned best goalie honors at the 20, not 2002, as I almost said, 2002, (laughs) 2002 Olympics 
as well as world championships in 2001 and 2004. Uh, she also won the Clarkson Cup twice with the Montreal Stars of the CWHL and was named the league's top goaltender two seasons in a row. I don't know much about her aside from that. No offense. No, I didn't, you know, um, I've done something. I don't watch a lot of women's hockey unless it's the Olympics. And then I'm usually only watching the U.S. And prior until the steps that have taken recently with the NWHL and the PWPHA in broadcasting women's games, there was no real avenue to watch a player like Kim St. Pierre. But based on this accolades there, she's deserving of the Hall of Fame. Straight up. Like, if, 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 if she was a man... And had those numbers, you'd be thinking, oh, greatest one of the greatest goalies of all time. Well, guess what? If you combine men and women, she is one of the best goalies of all time, based yep. on her stats alone. True that. Um, on to our next one here. We have a familiar name, uh, Doug Wilson. Um, he's currently the Sharks GM. Um, throughout his career, he scored 237 goals, uh, had 827 total points as a defenseman, winning the 1982 Norris Trophy. Uh, during his quote-unquote impressive and underrated career. Uh, he was also an eight-time All-Star and won Canada Cup gold. Uh, also, according to the website, his name has sprung up in Hall of Fame discussions over the last few years, even after having been on the ballot for over two decades. About time for him, I guess. Um, he played during an era dominated by Paul Coffey and Ray Bork, but examined his career, and it was a pretty solid one. He finished his career in the top 20 in points by defenseman and top 10 in points per game. Um, let's see. That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's I kind of really... Saying, sorry to interrupt. It's also said um, he's also putting a decent Hockey Hall of Fame career together, uh, at least in case. Obviously, he doesn't need a case now because he's in, but um, with his GM work alone, could have also gotten him in if he hadn't played. Uh, he's one of the cases that I don't agree with. Uh, when I think of Doug Wilson, I don't think of a hockey hall of flame hall, hall of pet hall of a hockey hall of that words are very hard. A <laughs> hockey hall of fame caliber player or executive. Um, okay. Yeah, cool. He had 827 points as a defenseman, but you listed who he played against Paul coffee and Ray Boric. They're hall of fame players. Doug Wilson to me isn't. Never wanted. He hasn't won a championship yet. He only won the Norris Trophy once. I'm sorry. I don't get this one. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, he was on the ballot for 20 years, but should he have ever been? I don't personally agree with this choice at all. I don't think Doug Wilson is a Hall of Fame player. Now, if he had won multiple championships, was more of a dominant player during his heyday, sure, cool, get him in. But based off what I'm seeing right here, what I've heard about Doug Wilson, and also what I've seen about him as being a current GM for the San Jose Sharks, not good enough, mate. All right. Uh, here's another one. I don't really know much about this guy. I don't know if you do. Kevin Lowe. Um, yeah, he was essentially, long story short, Matt, he was like a second-pair defenseman like, for the Oilers when they won all their cops with Gretzky. Yeah, it sounds like he was kind of the product. He was a, a, a I guess, a, not to be mean here to him, but a byproduct of the Oilers dynasty. Yeah. I, I'll agree with that. Yeah, um, because he has five Stanley Cups from Edmonton and one more with the Rangers, so six Cups throughout his career. Um, and he was considered a builder with the Oilers, um, 
Many agree that it's probably not the first point you'd argue for saying Lowe deserved to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, again, I think, which I guess could bring up another point that we can discuss another time, but do you think that Stanley Cups should have anything to do with whether or not you're Hockey Hall of Fame worthy? No, they shouldn't. Or I guess I shouldn't say anything, but should they have less weight than they do now? I mean... I feel like they shouldn't. Um, I mean, I, I am just kind of contradicting myself against, you know, Doug Wilson. But, you know, for the player like Doug Wilson, he didn't really win many awards. wasn't a sent-out player. Kevin Lowe, to me, is just a product. He got lucky. He got to play on that Edmonton Oilers team. He wasn't even their best defenseman. He was a middle-of-pack of the guy. Um, and then he got to win another cup with the Rangers when they had Mark Messier dominating. Um, you know, he doesn't have the accolades the only thing that stands out about him is the fact that he won you know five stanley cups and at the end of the day like okay cool you won five championships but that's luck Mm -hmm. you know um and i don't see to me there's not enough individual stats now if he had those five cups and he was like you know like norris trophy winner exactly if he was a prominent norris hart trophy winner like that type of player where it just wasn't Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier like if you included Kevin Lowe like oh he was just as important as those two guys or even Grant Pierre like okay cool I get it but the stats just aren't there like he's I feel like he's getting in just because he's like friends of you know I, I remember hearing about this on Chicklets like 20 members of the board who gets to vote on the Hockey Hall of Fame are Canadian and I bet you anything, he's probably friends with like fifteen of them. Grease and that's the how wheels. He, and that's how he got in. You know, I think there's late pushes by certain media members up in Canada and Edmonton who were saying, "Oh, Kevin Lowe, Kevin Lowe, Kevin Lowe, Kevin Lowe, Kevin Lowe." Dude just got lucky and won five cups. I don't see the stats for it. Mark up this. Mark this up again as a Dave disagrees with this Hockey Hall of Fame induction. <laughs> All right, here's the last one that rounds out this year's class. Uh, We have Ken Holland, uh, who will be entering the Hall of Fame as a quote-unquote builder. Um, Formerly with the Red Wings for a number of years, uh, he won four Stanley Cups with Detroit, one as assistant GM and three as general manager. Uh, Throughout his time as well, the Red Wings also won 10 Central Division titles with Holland at the helm and also four President's Trophies. Uh, The article also states, Holland can still add to his resume if he can bring Connor McDavid and the Oilers to additional glories too. Thoughts? Um, you know, Holland did help, you know, build the Detroit Red Wings into the dynasty they were for 20 years. So at the end of the day, the dude does know something. Granted, towards the end of his time in Detroit, he kind of really set that team back a couple years. Um, but Based off of what he did when Detroit was in their heyday, yeah. He's got the stats to prove that he knows how to build a professional hockey team. He won championships. He was And he was able to do it with different coaches, too. So um, I do see it with this one. And if Ken Holland can turn Edmonton around into something where they're a dynasty with Connor McDavid, I think it'll even, it'll even cement his induction into the Hall of Fame even more. Cool, cool. Um, that rounds out the Hockey Hall of Fame. I do have a few more points quick for tonight's Around the League. 
Uh, we have a couple things from today in history. Uh, today in history on June 30th in 1992, some Flyers news. Um, after decision, this is all from NHL.com. After a decision in their favor by arbitrator Larry Bertuzzi, the Philadelphia Flyers officially acquired the center Eric Lindros from the Quebec Nordiques in a trade for centers Peter Forsberg and Mike Ricci, goalie Ron Hextall, defenseman Steve Duchesne, and Kerry Huffman, uh, also a first-round pick in the 1993 NHL draft, and cash. Um, the Nordiques selected Lindros overall, first overall, um, in the 91 draft, but he declined to report and spent the season with the Canadian Olympic team. The Flyers and New York Rangers each made a trade with the Nordiques to acquire Lindros, and Bertuzzi ruled the transaction with the Flyers is the valid one. Uh, obviously, as we know, sadly, Lindros helped the Flyers get to the Stanley Cup final in 97, but they got swept by Forsberg, or the Wings, uh, the Red Wings. Uh, and then Forsberg became a cornerstone of cup-winning teams with the Colorado Avalanche in 96 and 2001. After the Nordiques re relocated to Denver in 95, uh, the two centers each wind up in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Circling back, uh, Forsberg was inducted in 2014 and Lindros most recently in 2016. So there's some fun facts for you. Yeah. Pain, pains me to read the Flyers losing in the Stanley Cup again. Yep. Um, also, in 1982, the Colorado Colorado Rockies relocated. Um, wait, yeah, relocated and prepared for their first season in New Jersey, officially adopting the nickname Devils as we now know them as. Uh, the name refers to the legend of the Jersey Devil, a creature that allegedly inhabited inhabited the Pine Barrens in the southern part of the state. The team's original color scheme of red, green, and white is unique in the in the NHL at the time. The Christmas jerseys. Mm-hmm. They're also known as the team that quote unquote had the best off season before the season started, yeah. and they did not. It doesn't count for much. Um, <laughs> also today, June thirtieth in twenty thirteen, uh, a few household names for hockey fans were drafted. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche selected Nathan McKinnon with the number one overall pick in the twenty thirteen draft, uh, followed by Alexander Barkov going to the Florida Panthers. Uh, Jonathan Drouin going to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and as we mentioned before, Seth Jones going number fourth, number number fourth overall, number four overall <laughs> to the Nashville Predators. Some good days in hockey history uh, yeah, tonight. So, and I and believe then, wasn't yesterday or today also the anniversary of the uh, the Shea Weber and PK Subban and Adam Larson Taylor Hall trades. I feel like that was yesterday. It might have been yesterday. I remember seeing something on Instagram, I think. Let me see if I can find it. I think that was yesterday. I'm fairly positive that was yesterday. I'm not seeing anything on my news feed here. I'm going to go back a day. I wonder if I can do that. I don't think I can. This date. No. We'll have to look that up for another time. Um, I wanted to end it on a kind of a funny note here. Um... The, there was a video released today of our good friend, good friend Gritty. Um, he was featured on a, I guess, a miniature episode of the Netflix show Queer Eye. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the show, yeah, this the upcoming season of the show takes place in Philadelphia. So they decided to stick with the theme of Philadelphia as uh, the, the Fab Five, as they're called, from the show. Um, 
give gave gritty a i think i forget what they it wasn't a makeover it was a make better i think is what they called it a make better yeah it's actually it's a funny video um i definitely recommend watching it it's all over flyer social media the nhl social media the videos on youtube as well we can try and we can link to it on the on our twitter for the podcast so everyone can see it uh it's eight minutes long i think so definitely worth the watch and you'll get a nice little laugh uh there's a surprise cameo not surprise now but there's a cameo from also our good our a friend of a friend the philly fanatic so mm. um some good fun there uh, i don't w- watch the show personally but i i do know of it and it's i guess it's i i've heard it's good again i don't watch it but it was it was fun to see them do this kind of thing with gritty and again the show's new season takes place in philadelphia no free ads but watch it if you want yeah i might have to i heard some good things about it online today when it kind of dropped this afternoon so it was fun definitely good a good watch um, one of us can throw it up that, on the socials yeah other than that i uh, believe that does it for this week's edition of around the league um hopefully we'll have some more to talk about in the next two weeks um and we'll see where we're at with the i don't think we'll be any further with the draft lottery but we'll have possibly some training camps for nhl teams and maybe more yeah if if it all goes well in two weeks when we're set to record during the week of the 13th nhl training camps will be underway so only time will tell to see where this is headed everyone True. And then also um, this weekend, this Saturday, I believe, is the 4th of July. It is. So um, from from us to you, the listeners and the fans, have a very safe uh, 4th of July weekend, holiday weekend. Uh, don't drink and drive. Um, don't catch COVID. Don't, yeah. Practice social distancing, wear a mask. Um, what else? Fire? I Oh, here. Quick side note before we end also. I didn't know fireworks were now legal in Pennsylvania. Yeah, they are. So buy some fireworks, but don't bother your neighbors if you want to. Don't Um, scare your neighbors' doggos. Doggos do not like fireworks. Be considerate of other people's pets. But, yeah, have a good weekend. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. And just be smart. Precisely. Be smart. Do the right thing. Don't get sick. Wear a damn mask. Quicker we all wear masks, quicker this thing goes away, the quicker life can be normal again, which I think everyone is ready for, based on how people are acting across the country. <laughs> oh, yeah. But with that, we will be back in two weeks' time, hopefully with some more hockey news, since training camps will be underway. We could have some spicy meatballs drop between now and then. Who knows? Uh, but thanks again, as always, for everyone's support and listenership, and we'll look to keep that going, and we will see everyone in two weeks.